Hey, this is Jim, pastor of Decided Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope the sermon you're about to hear just blesses your heart and really encourages you. If you don't mind, subscribe. That way you'll get instant notifications every time a sermon is uploaded. And by all means, if you're feeling led to give, click on the giving link and there'll be more directions to follow. God bless. Enjoy the message. good. They were pretty good. Those were good jokes. So that's, that's awesome. Well, I've got one for you in Genesis. When was Adam born? A little before Eve. Good one. Good one right. There we go. There we go. That's it. That's it. I had to keep mine biblical, you know, just on stage, you know, make Jim proud. I don't know why I'm pointing to heaven. He's not there. He's in dirt. He's in dirty myrtle. So he might be in heaven, guys. He might be in heaven. So, all right. Well, a little bit, you know, Father's Day is a wonderful thing. And for some people, it, it's just not, you know, let's just be honest. There's a lot of, of people on earth that just choose not to follow. They choose not to live with what, what God has designed us to be. And, you know, growing up, Father's Day wasn't that for me. It wasn't this celebrated thing. A little bit about my backstory is that if you think about it in your past, there's memories, you know, obviously we've lived every day that we're here on this earth, but there's memories that we pull and they somehow follow us and we can just go into our mind, we can close our eyes and we can go back to a moment. Well, you know, for me, my first memory um, as a child, I remember I was outside and I was on a tricycle um, and I was sitting there in the front yard and my brother came running outside and he said, Jeremy, mom's hurt. And, and I didn't know what was going on. So I just hopped off. I ran inside and I remember walking into my dining room and seeing my mom with blood running all down her face. And it was on her shirt. And my dad had thrown a set of car keys at her and knocked out her tooth. Um, you know, and that was an early childhood. I had a father who struggled with alcoholism. Um, we very quickly were out of that home and in and out of multiple homes. I think I, I lived in 10 or 11 places growing up, and uh, it was, I was very blessed. And I want to say to those moms out there who are pulling double duty or those dads that are out there pulling double duty, I have so much respect for you. I want to give you a round of applause because it's not an easy task. It's really not an easy task. And so, you know, ultimately for me, that led to me thinking of God as this distant person, as this you know, that, that's just how men were. You know, I jokingly pick on Alan. He's, I think, in the back right now. But he always picks on me because I can't drive a stick shift. Or I've shot a gun four times in my life. You know, all these different things. And I'm like, hey, man, you know what? Didn't have a dad. I'm going to pull the didn't have a dad card out on that one. You know, I grew up in Gilbert, South Carolina, but I was inside most of the time, you know. So it is. it was a different life. You know, but I just growing up always, I still idolized my father. I still loved him, even though, you know, I remember there were times where he said he was coming to get us and he never showed up. And my mom being kind, she would make up a story, uh, you know, but as I grew up, I realized, you know, just some things just weren't important. But it, it's so great how children have that resilience that they idolize, that they love, that they have so much respect for their parents, whether they do wrong or whether they do right. You know, there's, there's some good things I can't. I can't smell a pack of big red gum without thinking about my dad. He always had a pack of big red gum. And so anytime that cinnamon smell comes, I, I think of him or black licorice. And, you know, he was an amazing, he, he laid tile. That's what he did his entire life. He, or, uh, he, he, he laid tile, he did some beautiful broken tile pieces. And he just, you know, unfortunately his demons got the best of him. Uh, and, and, you know, I pray that God has met him where he is. Uh, and I pray that he is has a relationship with the Father and that he's able to forgive himself uh, because as a broken people, it's easy to make mistakes when we're not living for the right things. And so ultimately, like I said, that's how I thought about God. And I don't think I'm alone in that. And one of the famous theologians, Spurgeon, said, 
He said this about people. He said, they imagine God as a severe being, angry and fierce, very easily to be moved to wrath, but not so easily to be induced to love. They are apt to think of him as one who sits in a supreme and lofty state, either totally indifferent to his witches and his creatures, or else determined to have his own way with them, never listening to their desires or compassionating with their woes. Oh, that we would unlearn all these fallacies and believe God to be who he is. Oh, that we could come to scripture and there look at the glass which reflects the sacred image and then receive him as he is, the all-wise, the all-just, and yet the all-gracious and all-loving Jehovah. You know, and so when I found a relationship with the Lord and I truly I truly was able to take that in, it, it really did two things for me. As a dad, I was able to say, hey, I took a bullet so my kids don't have to. You know, I was able to say, I want to be something different. I want to be something different and, and learn to love from the Father so that I can give that properly. But then also that for all of you that maybe struggle with daddy issues, or even if it's mom issues or, or worldly issues, that we do have a father who is willing, he loves us, and he is willing to give it all. And he's the ultimate creator of everything. And so look to him whenever the world is not enough. And so ultimately today, we're going to go over two things. One is going to be the love of God and help me explaining and showing you and articulating just how much God loves you. And the second one is going to be an, hopefully an inspiring call to fathers that we would be able to be the difference that our community, our households, and our, ultimately our world needs. So starting off, we're going to spend some time in Luke chapter 15, uh, verses 11 through 32. And I'm going to pray for us really quick before we dive in. God, I just pray that you would just remove me from this stage, God, that you would be here in this moment. God, that, that people that are here today and those who are going to be listening later, Lord, that they would be able to say, God, I'm going to take a risk today. The world has let me down time and time again, but I'm going to give you a chance to be who you say you are. And God, we know that will not be a void promise that, that you have made to us. So God, I just pray that we would be risk takers today, that we would open our hearts, that we would open our minds just to listen to this word, God, and that you would made your, make yourself known in this place. So God, we give all of this to you. We thank you that you have given us scripture to learn you as our father, God, and we just are honored that we have the opportunity to just be in your presence this morning. Amen. So a little bit of backstory. Jesus, being an amazing leader, is hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. You know, like we said earlier, God in that song, he's reckless, he's willing to do whatever it takes. And so Jesus is hanging out with sinners and tax collectors and the Pharisees, they're mad at him. And they're like, why is he hanging out with these people? Like, who is this guy? And so Jesus, knowing they said that, he does what he does best and he tells a story. And it says, and he said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he, the father, divided the property between them. Now, we can quickly and easily read this, and we can say to ourselves, okay, like, son just wants to go somewhere else. But guys, it, the Pharisees' mouth jaws would have dropped in this moment. Because whenever he said to his father, give me my property, give me my share, that was pretty much like saying, you're better off dead. That was his inheritance. That was what he was to be given whenever his father died. And so to, to, for that to be said, but then not only for it to be said by the son, but, but for the father to do it, I mean, they just would have been like, what in the world is going on here? And so it's quickly, it's easy for us to read through this, but just, I want you to understand the importance of that. And it says next, not many days later, 
the younger son gathered all that he had and he took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered away his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him off into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. And so to stop there again, sin takes us farther than we ever wanted to go. It takes us deeper than we ever thought we would go. And it puts us in places where we never thought we would be. Here's this son who came from a proper Jewish father, came from a family, and, and now he's sitting here wishing to eat with the pigs, what he's feeding the pigs, you know? And so it's just, it's just insane what sin will allow us uh, to put, the situations that will allow us to put ourselves in. But it says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. He was still a long way off and his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. Now, once again, to stop for just a moment, his father ran, embraced, and kissed him. In that culture, a proper Jewish man running to do anything, once again, the Pharisees' jaws would have dropped. Here he is, he gave away his possessions to his son who said, you're better off dead, and then yet he's running to him. And I, I, I want that just to stick in your mind, the fact that the father is running to his son. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The house uh, the house, he heard music and dancing and all called to one of the servants and asked, oh, excuse me, let me go back really quick, lost and found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and, and he came and drew near to the house and heard music and dancing and he called to the servants and asked what, what these things meant. And, the, and he said to him, your brother has come, your father has killed the fattened calf because he had received him back safe and sound. But he, the older brother, was angry and refused to go in his father came out and entertained him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you, I have never disobeyed your command yet. You never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when, his, when this son of yours came who had devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And, and he said to him, son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. Okay. And so the overall arching theme of this is God's love for his children. He's the father. He is the father that was willing to run to you. He's the father that was willing to give you what you asked for when you, when you pretty much said he was dead, when he, he was nothing to you. When you went and you squandered everything away and that you would stand up and say, hey, I'm going to come back. And he would, he would chase you down because that's, that's reckless love. 
Reckless isn't always this fighting and it's, it's not charging. It's not all this big macho stuff that it's made to be. Reckless is servanthood. Reckless is love. It's grace. It's mercy. God created these things. He created these things. And so there's a few takeaways from that that I want to talk about is that everyone thinks, man, what a, what a horrible son. But, you know, that's, that's not so different than us. I mean, how do we, you know, this son trying to relate, not saying what he did was right, but trying to think about it for a second. You know, he could have lived second to his big older brother. How many of you have an older sibling that you've lived in their shadow? You know, I mean, let's just be honest. How many people have that situation where, where you, and, and, and think about it, this younger son, this younger son sees his future. He sees his future and he just doesn't want to wait. He wants it now. He said, these things are going to be mine. I'm tired of living in the shadows. I'm tired of, he probably did everything as he was supposed to do up until that point, but he just had a breaking point. How many of you is that in your marriage? It used to be fun, but now I'm just going through the motions. And now I'm just, I'm just going through the motions and I just want, and I see all this stuff on social media because you listen, you, you get to look at everyone's highlight reel, not their real life. Let me repeat that. Their highlight reel, not their real life. And you're just living this comparison because you're trying to kill joy with comparison. And so it's not, it's not that this person was just this, uh, this horrible person. It could be any of us in any situation. You, you want the promotion at work. You're not willing to wait it out. You know, everyone wants something. We live in a world where everyone's, when you want something, you want it now. But one thing that I love about the son or, or really the father is that the son was able to say, let me get up and go back to my father. He didn't think, oh, my dad's going to give me a handout. He didn't think, you know, because there's those people where it's like, man, you need, you ever heard you need to let someone hit rock bottom? You need to let them hit rock bottom. I'm not saying that he, he looked at his father <coughs> and said, he's going to take me back. He's going to do it. He, 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 he said, let me go to my father and he'll let me be a servant. So he knew that he'd be disciplined, but he knew that he could come to his father. Man, do I hope and pray that my kids look at me that way one day, that if they are make a mistake, they would say, I know my dad's not going to just give it to me, but at least I can come to him. At least I can, at least I don't have to walk away with my shadows and never come back because at least I know that he's going to hear me. He's going to be there for me. And that was just something that I really found beautiful in this. Something selfishly is identify more with the jealousy of the older son in this story. If I'm just being completely transparent with you, it's easy for me to find myself in in the shoes of the older son. I haven't done anything. Where, where, where's everything for me? I've been here the whole time. Why are you choosing to kill the fattened calf for someone who's, who told you you were better off dead? And so that's a struggle that I have to pray about in my heart. God, don't let me be the older son in this story. Don't let me be the one that's not willing to understand that forgiveness is for all. That grace is not just something that we just hand out every now and then. God's grace is sufficient for all that would, that would ask and that would be willing to come in godly repentance. That's another thing. The son came in godly repentance, not worldly repentance. The son came in godly repentance. And then not last but not least about that, it's just that the father ran to the son. Like, don't let that be etched in you in this whole story is that God's willing to run for you. All that it takes is your willingness to say, we don't even know how far the son made it. The son said, I'm going to come home. I'm going to go to my father. And it said he was a long way off. Guys, when you realize that you're not enough, God meets you. He covers way more distance than you would ever have to because that's just who he is as a true loving father. That's leadership. 
That's love, that's compassion, that's grace. And so what I want to understand, what I want to help you understand today is what I did, what God really put in my heart. I didn't have a dad, but now I have the compassion to say, I love my father. I love him. God, I just hope and pray that he would be that son and that he would say, God, I'm coming home. And that the, that the father would extend to him the same grace that God extended to me. And I think that it's whenever you let go of all that pain, of all that hurt, the only thing that that pain is hurting is you. That's the only person that's getting hurt when you hold on to that. It's you. And so give it to God and just pursue in love just like God asked us to. Because our goal is to be more like Christ and we give our life to him. Here's a perfect example of fatherhood. Here's a perfect example of the ultimate sacrifice, love, reckless love. It's just so wonderful that we, that we sang that song that just aligns so much. And so that is that part. That's God's love for you. That's the beautiful story that is. And the second part, it wouldn't be a Jeremy sermon without a little bit of motivation, without a little bit of, a little bit of less charge. Let's make things happen. And so the second one is to you dads. This is my, this is a call to action. This is what God has put in my heart for men, for myself. And I'm mainly speaking to me. I just think you would enjoy to listen to a monolo inner monologue in Jeremy's head when I, have a, when I have the wonderful conversations with myself. But what is a leader? God's called us to be leaders. He showed us an example of leader in him and Jesus. And, but a leader is someone who inspires passion and motivation in those around them. A leader, so often we think of a leader as he's here, his followers are back here cowering. He's out here. He's making it happen. He's doing things. He's turning around. He's yelling from the back, and he's leading. He's charging. He's a warrior. But Jesus taught us that he could have done all that. Jesus flipped tables, but Jesus was a servant leader. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. Jesus said, to be first, you must be last. And that's the type of leader that I want to talk about today. I want to talk about a servant leader. And so today we're going to talk about lead, L-E-A-D. Lead is, is going to stand for L for learn, listen and learn, E for empathy, A for affirm, and D for discipline, but also disciplined. Okay, and so we're going to start off with listen. You know, I've never felt closer to my children than when I take them on daddy-daughter dates. Man, I love daddy-daughter dates. A, a preacher... Back when Olivia was first born, she's now nine, but when she was first born, I heard a Father's Day sermon, um, and the pastor, he talked about taking your child on a date, and how he had done it since they were a little baby, and I was like, man, that's awkward, but whatever. I remember going to Chick-fil-A Valentine, Olivia sitting across from me in her car seat, I'm on a milkshake, she's on nothing, and I'm just like, ha ha, look at you. And she couldn't talk back then. So it was just me doing a lot of sitting there and people would walk by and say, oh, look at that little baby. You know, and so it was a lot of fun. But then she grew up and she became like her dad. She talked a lot. And so now I get to do a lot of listening. And man, how special is it that Chloe, my, sec my second oldest, that she, for the first, when she was three, four, five, I used to think that she would, she just wanted to go on a daddy-daughter date, but no, she thought the name of Chick-fil-A was daddy-daughter date. Like, and you know how special that was to my heart? You know, when it shut down with COVID, we used to, we would go there, we would eat our, you would see them with their little breakfast burritos that were as big as their head, and somehow they would eat the whole thing, and man, it was just so special, but to sit back and listen as they get older, to know who your children's friends are, to know what happened at school today, to be called out when you're looking at your phone, and they say, hey, put down your phone. You know, like your ch children, 
your child can teach you so much. And it's in, in scripture to back it up, Matthew 18, one through three, it says, now at this time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put, them, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so I would say to you is that it, our kids, when I spend some time, Jamo's walking in the back there, he can attest to this. At Switch, when you spend some time with the students, they're going through a world that I, know, I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to put myself in the shoes that they're going through right now. If you want to know how broken our world is, spend some time with a teenager. Spend, that's why I say to Marcus, it's so awesome that your child's up here praising the Lord. Because, man, what a blessing. Write a book so we can just sell it out here in the church. We can all have it. You know, we can make it happen. But, it, but at the end of the day, our world is very broken. And what we went through is not what the children are going through today. And so spend some time and listen and learn from what your children are going through. E for empathy. The ability to understand and share feelings of one another. One of my favorite quotes is on the back of every card that my agency sends out. It says, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. I don't care what you have to say to me unless I think you actually care. Because everyone wants to be, everyone wants to tell someone what they think, what's in their best interest. And how often, if we're talking to our kids, if they think that it's us, that we're just trying to tell them something to make us look good, don't make us look bad, do it this way, do it that way. If it's all about us, I'm sorry, they're not going to listen. They're not gonna listen. There's no care in it for them. You know, one of my, I'm a big nerd when it comes to books, when it comes to leadership and development. And Chris Voss is one of my favorite. He, he has a book called Never Split the Difference. He was an FBI, or he's retired now, has a, a, a biz, business called the Black Swan Group where they, they help businesses and negotiation skills. But he was the lead FBI hostage negotiator. And he has a few tools that have helped him with, situations like around 9-11 and some crazy things that you've seen about on the news as well as bank robberies and all but the number one tool in his thing is tactical empathy that's the number one tool it's a deliberate influencing of 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 your negotiating counterparts emotions for the ultimate purpose of building trust-based influence and securing deals if the lead fbi hostage negotiator would understand that meeting someone where they are understanding what they're going through because our children they're not where we are we expect them to be these perfect things they have emotions just like we do i raise my voice and i have to go back and apologize that's one of the things we're listening to olivia one of the things that she said she loves the most is that when daddy raises his voice he does say sorry and they'll let me know when i don't say sorry i promise you i'll be like turn around in a room hey you didn't say sorry you know and then i have to have that moment of oh man and i have to go you're still in trouble but i'm sorry you know but it's it's just it, it's it's amazing how we expect so much but yet we're no different you know but empathy is just so important of meeting them where they are, understanding what they're going through, and then truly being able to help them. The reason that negotiations are able to happen, the reason that people's lives were saved in those situations is because they met them where they were, they understood their side of the table. Not that they agreed with it, but they just understood because when you feel understood, that breaks down a wall to where you're able to reflect and where you're able to relate and where things can actually happen. So next up is going to be affirm to show or express a strong belief in or a dedication. And actually, I want to go back to the one before and share a verse with you because I'm trying to tie these in together. But it says, for the whole law was fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Your child's your neighbor. 
your neighbor's your neighbor, but your child's your neighbor. Love, we love our children so much, but let's actually teach them that. Let's embody that. Let's embody the ability for them to show empathy to others because we taught them. It's our opportunity, like I said, to lead. And so affirm to express or show a belief, a strong belief in our dedication. It says in scripture, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Affirm who Jesus said they are. He knit them together in their mother's womb. He knew exactly who he created them to be. It's up to us as parents to affirm them in that, to help them, to empower them, who God's calling them to be. I remember Olivia, she was struggling with some math homework, and she said, I'm never going to make it, never going to be enough. And we created this little funny thing that we still do to this day where she goes, you know, and so anytime we're at a soccer game or we're, or we are, you know, working on that math problem and she'll know, I'll be like, Olivia, let's do the thing. And she's like, dad, no, dad, no, don't do the thing. Don't do the thing. But, but she does the thing and it's just so great to see that smile hit her face. But that's the, that's affirming. That's letting them know that we believe in them, that you can do it. It's who God's called us to be. He affirms that in us with his reckless love and his willingness to chase us down. The moment we say yes. So let's do that. Let's be that. And let me speak to spouses for a moment. This is for husbands and wives. There's no better thing. Hell better watch out if Emily says in the morning, you're going to crush it today. You're awesome. I love you. Like, thank you so much for everything you do. That affirmation that she puts on me, the world better watch out. Your boy is selling some insurance policies today. You know, food is going on the table. But at the end of the day, if that does that much for me, what does that mean in your children? Remember, even though my dad did some horrible things, he still was a superhero in my head. And so these superheroes, you know, don't let them go get role models from the Kardashians. You be that role model. And that affirmation, that love, them knowing that you truly care about them, not just their successes, not just who they make you look to be, but you're there with them in their failures. Because what does everybody say? Fail forward. A failure is only a failure if you let it be. Help your children to understand that they're going to mess up, but that's okay. It's just okay. It's just not okay to stay there. It's not okay to live in that spot, to allow that disgust and that, that failure to, the last thing they need is somebody else pounding on them when they know they messed up. I'm not saying discipline's not important. We're going to get to that in a moment, but affirm your children and help them understand that this God's called you to be something special and it's my job. He has given me the ability to be there for you, to be your parent. And I'm going to do my best to be like Jesus to you in this moment. Okay, so spouses, understand. Give your, give your spouse a nice little text sometimes in the morning. Just tell them that you believe in them. You're their partner. You're the person that they chose to do life with. And I know sometimes you want to bring, you know, go back to that son who said the marriage is getting old. Bring a little bit of life back. You serve. Have that servant leadership in your marriage. Have it for your children. And you step up and say, hey, I'm going to be the difference maker in this. And last up is discipline. Discipline's important. We left it for last because I do believe that uh, it's something that we really need to talk about. But discipline is punish or rebuke. So there's that side of about it. But or to train oneself to do something in a controlled and habitual way. So discipline and disciplined. Discipline and discipline. Okay. Some scriptures that go along with this is my son. Do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. And a father as a father, the son, in whom he delights. One more, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You know, I remember in school, 
I, you know, we grew up, we, we had to work for everything that we had, and I was just so blessed. I had a really awesome grandfather who played as a father figure in my life, and I remember at 15 years old, your boy got a job at the gas station. I was the one back there putting all your Pepsis back, you know, putting them in there, make sure they were cold, stacking them all to the front, and then I moved on up, got a job at Pizza Hut. Come on for the Pizza Hut, people. You know, it's it, it was great. The Lord was good, but I remember all my friends would be sitting back there, and they'd be hanging out, going to do this, partying here, doing this, doing that, and I was going to work you know, 30, 35 hours a week in high school. And my grandfather bought me a $1,000 car, 1989 Ford Probe, you know, that's it. And so I love that car, but I had to work for it. It wasn't given. I was like, come on, Gramps, you got it. You're, you, he, he wasn't, I'm not going to say he was rich, but he was well off. He was doing all right. And I was like, it's a $1,000 car, Gramps, but he made me work for it. You know, and now I own a business. And now I don't, I, I, God taught me in that. When, whenever I thought he was being mean back then, I now understand that it's because he loved me. It's because he loved me that he didn't just give it to me. It's because he loved me that I had to work at his landscape and business after he retired and work for everything I had. It's because he wanted better for me than to just give me something. Just like God didn't just give the son. He, met, he ran, he met him, he showed him ultimate grace, but the son knew that his father wasn't just a handout. He knew that there would be disciplinary action. He knew there would be, there would be rebuilding, that there would be like, hey, let's talk about this. I'm so thankful that I had that in my life. I'm so thankful that I had the discipline that helped me to be the man that I am. I still got a long way to go, but that discipline, I promise you, has made an impact on my life. And so those students, those younger folks that we have in here, understand that discipline is love. It really is. Discipline is love, and one day you'll understand. But also, discipline's important, but it's also important to be disciplined. If we're telling our children, you need to be in your word, but yet we don't ever read our Bible, okay, hypocrite. You know, if we're telling our kids, you don't ever need to steal, but yet we're uh, here getting this device that lets us watch everything for free, and we're like, oh, we got all this, da, da, da. we're stealing from this, oh, but it's okay. Well, is it really? What are you teaching your children? I'm just saying, like, at the end of the day, let's be disciplined in our obedience to the Lord, and let's let that overflow. Everything comes from the overflow. Whatever you're coming, whatever's going in, it's going to come out. And, and if you want your children to be the difference that we need in our society, it starts at home. It starts with us. God gave us this opportunity. Let's be disciplined, man. Let's put ourselves in communities where we build each other up, because God designed us for communities. How many, how many of you would say it's hard to be a dad? I mean, come on, let's just be honest. It's hard. It's not easy. But how awesome would it be? Because I know that something that I've gone through, there's another dad out here who's a little more seasoned than I am that could be there for me in that. Community is a beautiful thing. In a disciplined world, it's a beautiful thing. So why lead? Why talk about this? Why call, ask you and inspire you to be this way? 85% of youth who are currently in prison or DJJ grew up in fatherless homes. 63% of youth suicides involve a child who was in a fatherless home. Teen girls without a father's are seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager. And the percentage of adolescents in substance abuse treatment facilities who are from fatherless homes is over 75%. Be the change you want to see. To inspire revival in our next generation, take the lead that Jesus has put inside of you. Be a servant leader. Don't be a dictator. Be a servant leader who understands the importance of flipping tables, but who also understands the importance of washing feet. Let's be the men at Decided Church that our community needs. That's it. Let me pray for us, and we'll move forward. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity that you've given us as men to lead our communities, our households, the world. God, just help us to be different. Help us to not take this and say, oh, 
I'm going to choose it like a buffet and I'm going to pick this and pick that, but that discipline thing or, you know, that affirmation thing, that's not important to me, God. Let's just look at this and say, we're going to lead. It's L-E-A-D. Let's be servant leaders. God was reckless in his love for us. He met us where we were. And God, I pray that if someone doesn't know him for that, if they're dealing with all that pain and that bitterness, God, that they would let it go. Like I said at the beginning, they would have the, they would be a risk taker today and give it to God. And so I just pray that if that's you in this moment, you would say, God, I give it to you. I give all of the things that I've tried to do. I give them all away. I want you, God. I meet, I, I, I need you here in my life. God, I accept you into my heart as my savior, as my father. And God, I just, I want to be different. I want to give it to you, God. And I just, I just pray that you would just come into my heart and you would make me a new person. If you prayed that prayer, I just ask that you do, that you just stand up, that you go to the back during this next song and that you get prayer with someone. If you're a dad who just is struggling or a, a, a mom that's pulling double duty and you're just struggling, that you would just stand up and go get prayer. God, this is a community of people that love you, that want to be there for you. And that's who God's called us to be. So we just thank you for this opportunity. It's in your name we pray, amen. That was so great. Let's give Jeremy a round of applause. Get the table. Get to work. Just kidding. I don't know about y'all, but I feel ready to uh, to go out and lead and, and conquer the world. That was awesome. Um, you guys. Get